eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's good! It's good! It's good! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. We'll take you to the places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, Hakeem drops the ball, turn, picks a flow, and touchdown. Hell is frozen over. Of the 2022 season. It is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. In Saints fans, inside the black and gold, one week into Saints training camp. Very excited to be talking about everything from Jameis Winston to even giving some uh, kicker love to Will Lutz after his uh, impressive outing the other day. Kickers need love, too. Kickers do need love. I'm WWL Saints sideline reporter Steve Geller, along with digital content producer Jeff Nowak. Uh, bringing you, like I said, another edition of our Inside the Black and Gold. You can get it anywhere. You're saying our name wrong. Stop saying our name wrong. There's no the. Inside the Black and Gold. No, I continue. Just keep going. Just keep All going. Right. <laughs> get it right, Steve. I, I'm giving some love to another podcast that yeah. exists. We don't need that. We don't need All a right. Maryland, there's a Maryland Terrapins. Black and Gold. Here, we can get into this a little bit. There is a Maryland Terrapins blog called Inside the <laughs> Black and Gold. That's why it's important. We are Inside Black and Gold, first off. Second off, I call BS on Maryland claiming the colors black and gold. They already have a turtle shell. Show me a black and gold turtle, and then we can have a discussion. Maryland is not black and gold, and I will, I will, I will die on this hill, um, but we are inside black and gold. So yeah, get it right. Just inside black and gold, yes. And anywhere you can subscribe to podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, iTunes, you name it, we are there. Yes, Apple Podcasts. Make sure, you know, I'm going to say this right now. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, scroll down, give us a five-star rating, give us a review. It really helps us in the algorithm. We're trying to we're trying to get our get our brand up there so we show up at near the top of the Saints podcasts. I've I've heard some really great feedback from people already. People seem to be enjoying it. So yeah, just if you remember, just go down there, hit five stars. You don't have to write anything, but if you do, that's nice. I like hearing from y'all. And uh, yeah, we're going to keep this going. And it's it's been fun so far, and I'm glad to hear some positive feedback. But yeah, it's been a week of Saints camp, and we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, and believe it or not, we've got preseason football also starting this week, which is nice. Saints football for the preseason will be uh, August 13th for their first preseason game. But we'll have a, a game inside Tom Benson Stadium on Thursday Jaguars Raiders. I know it's it's not that exciting, but it's still football, so it's something. It's always weird when the black uh, the black and gold when the Hall of Fame game uh, starts off one because it's always at Tom Benson Stadium, which is this. It's always kind of odd to hear that because I always forget that that's the name of the stadium, and two because it's way too early to be playing a football game, and the football you see in that game is is brutal. Uh, it's not <laughs> not very good. Um, yeah, imagine, but imagine paying money to see that too, like fans going out there. 
I think it would be fun to get out there. It's like a novelty experience, but it is, it is funny. Cause it's like you, it looks like a football game. It's got NFL teams. It's got NFL jerseys. It's got an NFL broadcast crew. But then... <laughs> you probably see more competitive high school games. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, yeah, we we're getting into it. We're it's starting to look a lot more like football, just a program. You know, we were recording this on Sunday so we can kind of, cause we have a lot on our brain from the first week of practice. The first padded practice is tomorrow. So we won't be talking about that in this episode, but we will have all this stuff from the first week of practice. And if anything changes on Monday, keep that in mind. Um, things like Tyron Matthews still hasn't reported to camp. Taysom <gasps> Hill has been out a couple of days with injuries. Oh, no. um, so we, we still have a few of those things that we have not been able to wrap up yet. And those might happen tomorrow. We don't know. Um, but yeah, so just keep that in mind as we go forward. I don't think we'll be saying Taysom Hill, though, tomorrow. Uh, we've, we know that he's dealing with the rib injury, thankfully. I guess it's not a foot issue from his where he had surgery on from the plantar fascia uh, and Liz Frank injury. But it's a little bit of a concern that this guy is already banged up. We're, we're just a week into camp and already nursing ribs. And Dennis Allen said that it's going to be a little while for him. Yeah, you know, one of the things from camp too that that's worth mentioning is that there's been a few di- there's a few differences that are very clear from, you know, from Sean Payton to Dennis Allen. One of those things is we would have never in a million years known that it was, Hill was dealing with a rib injury <laughs> under Sean Payton's regime. DA just comes out and says, "Yeah, he got shot. He took a shot in the ribs. Going to be out a few days." And that's nice because it's it helps us not have to just, you know, theorize over, mm-hmm. "Oh, hopefully it's not a foot. It's not the foot kind of relapsing, which is good. That would be more concerning to me than a guy just taking a shot. And remember, and we talked about this a little before we came on, something to keep in mind with Taysom Hill. He's not wearing a red jersey anymore, right? In the last few years, he's been a quote-unquote quarterback, and he's been wearing that red non-contact jersey. And especially in these unpadded practices where you are Taysom Hill and you're suddenly playing in a situation where the other team can hit you, (laughs) <laughs> I think this is probably the first time he's taken a shot like that without pads on in, in several years, you know? So maybe it was kind of a, a jar- hopefully all we're getting is like, it was kind of like a jarring hit that he wasn't expecting and he's not used to, and he's just kind of nursing it. Hopefully it's not, you know, there's no issues with cracked ribs or anything. It's just kind of a bruise and we can go on, but yeah, it did make it sound like he'd be out a few days um michael thomas also missed practice on saturday i know a lot of the fans were bummed out about that but it was a scheduled day off and i need people to keep in mind the team the team loves to have the fans out there they are not making their uh day off decisions based on whether the fans are out there because and all you need to look at is yeah they they were like mike take the day off no one everyone out here is excited to see you but we don't care but you know you you think about it obviously it makes complete sense you give him a, a guy coming back from that serious ankle issue uh, two days rest because the Saints are off Sunday as well. Coming back for full pads on Monday. Dennis Allen mentioning, yeah, we fully expect Mike here to be taking part. But I, I thought that as well. It was like, man, you know, the fans coming out here day one and they're not getting to see can't guard Mike. But, yeah, you kind of like, were, were, you know, said to me too, it's like the, the team doesn't really care about what the, the fans' interest is in this case. Yeah, the team cares about the fans. The team wants the fans to be happy. And yeah, they gave him a second line. They gave him all the pomp and circumstance you could ask for. But they are not making like health and rest decisions based on whether the fans are there. And I think that's that's the right move. Um, fans also didn't get to see Tyron Matthew, which is a bummer. Um, I know a lot of fans are really excited to see him out there. He's still out dealing with family stuff. Um, we asked DA if there's a timeline. He said, no, we do not know. You know, hopefully Monday, I think a week is reasonable if you're away from the team. Once it gets into two weeks, then I think it's fair to start getting a little concerned about what he might be dealing with. Hopefully everything's okay with him. I know people were getting all worked up about him deleting some stuff off Instagram. Isn't that, that a is, crazy time now? It's like all of a sudden your Instagram posts, all you start deleting pictures from there and people start speculating. Yeah, let's not do that. Like, you know, let's not, right? Because when you hear family issues, the response should be, Hopefully everything's okay. Um, And we're going to move on from there. He's not abandoning the saints. He signed here. He wants to be here. That's not what's going on. Um, And if there is something in his life that's going on, that's making him have to stay away from the game. It's probably serious. So let's not do that. Right. 
let's let's hope everything's okay and we'll say get back as soon as you can and you know this is a guy who showed up for otas he didn't have to right he wants to be here and um the team does not seem concerned about you know the team uh, you know i'm sure the team wants him to be there too but you know i don't think that they are they're freaking out about his commitment to the team um but yeah we can get back into that but there are a few things we want to talk about about the practice itself the people who were there and uh, so what, what stood out to you from, you know, the first week of practice, first open practice on Saturday uh, throughout the week? Defense, baby. A lot of uh, positives from the Saints defense where uh, the Saints secondary looking pretty impressive. We've seen uh, everybody from Marshawn Lattimore, uh, really especially Paulson Adebo, I felt, has uh, really stood out the first week in his second year and the NFL looks really comfortable, smooth. Uh, and impressive that he's been able to in past breakups. And I just like the way his attitude is very, very subtle, uh, more laid back than some of the other DBs, I guess you would say. So it's kind of unexpected from him in a way. Uh, I also like uh, from the offensive point of view, just this last practice coming away from some of the running backs and seeing a bounce back uh, day from Tony Jones Jr., who had a bit of a rough outing, especially catching the football. Uh, he, he's definitely got to improve on that. A guy that I know I'm hoping on too, because I have him in my fantasy uh, dynasty league stashed away on the bench as a guy that I'm hoping can do something for this team. There's, there looks like there's going to be an opportunity like still what I'm seeing from Mark Ingram, uh, his comments about his age being question were funny. I know we'll get into that, but a guy that's also a great leader for the group. And then uh, Dwayne Washington still doing impressive things. Another guy on special teams that doesn't get enough love. And Abram Smith really looking forward to seeing more from him getting those pads on. And th- there's it's hard to even not, uh, you know, you want to mention, obviously, Jarvis Landry, uh, everything he does on the field. Um, another guy that that just looks like he's been in he's been here for a while and looks comfortable. And then the big outing from Chris Olave. Finally, yesterday, we saw that deep ball being thrown on a busted coverage, scored that huge touchdown. And man, man, just, you know, everyone talked about it pre-draft about how smooth his route running is, his speed and everything. But to see it close up live and impersonal is definitely impressive and, and definitely looking forward to seeing more of him when things start to get mixed up a little more with the pads on. Yeah, and you mentioned Tony Jones, you know, you don't want to get too you don't want to overvalue a couple reps on the third day of practice, but when you see a guy who makes two just really bad drops, and they were bad drops on just little check dump offs out of the backfield, little little kind of you know, plays that should be programmed five, six yards, should be completed ten out of ten times. It was not on the throw, it was on the catch, uh, and they just got bobbled and dropped, you know. You don't, again, you don't want to overvalue them, but you do, when you're looking at that kind of third running back on the, on the pecking order, you got to be able to catch. Like, you know, it's great to see, he had a really nice day kind of seeing the holes and kind of working his way through traffic. But at the end of the day, that role has to be a weapon out of the backfield. And he's going to have to show that pass catching ability. And that's a really rough start for him in a year where there's, He's going to have a really tough competition. Um, but let's get back to the defense. You mentioned Paulson Adebo really looks, has looked really good. I think Peyton Turner has also looked really good. The impressive thing is this defense is doing what it's doing without a key player at all three levels. They don't have Marcus Davenport. They don't have Pete Warner. And they don't have Tyron Matthew. So, you know, Do you notice there's something there, though, with Peyton Turner when Dennis Allen is asked about him? I know he mentioned, oh, this is like the third day in a row you've asked about Peyton Turner. But he's there's something holding... I feel like him back from gushing about what we've been seeing. I guess it's more he wants to see the consistency from the, the guy in year two coming back from injury. Yeah, I mean, I think he's just, you know, he wants to keep the guy grounded. You know, you don't want you don't want guys to get too too into themselves because everyone keeps asking about him every day. I think that he's got a lot of he's got a long way to go. Um, we've only seen him in three games. So I understand the DA also gets, you know, when you get to this point in training camp, the coach ends up getting the same questions every day. You know, and, and it, I think it can get tiring. But one thing I wanted to get to before we before we take a break here. So all the fans out of practice, you know, there's been some noise about, you know, Jameis Winston has not been, I would say, completely on point 
been a little off target. He's, he, I don't think he's completely dialed it in yet in the first week of camp. And that's okay. Um, one of the things that's kind of bugged me is, you know, anytime you come out and say, you know, Jameis hasn't been slinging it the way you want to see, you know, he's been, he's been a little off target on some of these little check downs. You had to throw to Alvin Kamara on a screen that missed. He had a little too, you know, little too hot coming into him. Yeah. And it was behind him. You know, he had a ball up the seam to Jarvis Landry that he just, that he airmailed, you know, and, 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 you know, I've been saying this and it's like, I just need people to understand like, that's okay. Right. It's the first week of camp. You're, you're getting better. You know, you're improving. Uh, and it's how you kind of react to that. It's the decisions you're making. It's all this. And I tend to not report stats out of camp. I'm not going to tell you, oh, he went four for six in drills, blah, 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 because I don't think the value is there. I don't think that's what you're looking for. Um, I think you want to see how those plays went, right? There was a play yesterday where Andy Dalton got a, got it tipped by Zach Bond and it fell into Kevin White's hands. Okay, yeah, that's one for one. Are we going to pretend that that was the – that was a good result for, for Andy Dalton. No, that's not the point of camp, but you know, you want to, you want to know that he's making the right throws. You know, if a receiver drops the ball on the, on the right throw and the right read and the ball was on target that goes, okay. Oh, now he's five for six. Right. But that's not the point. That's not what you're looking for. And so that's why I tend to avoid it. I keep track of it, but I don't report it often because I think it gets, it gets used in the wrong ways. Um, but you know, anyone who was at a camp yesterday, they saw, how the day started with James Winston. <laughs> totally different, right? Uh, you know, and, and I think what you saw there is a little what we've been trying to say is it's okay. He's a little, you know, a little off, you know, and that's fine. He, he was away. He was rehabbing for six months, whatever, however long from the knee injury. It's uh, there's a lot of new pieces out there. There's no Michael Thomas yet. It's fine. But he started with back-to-back interceptions yesterday. And that's obviously a rough way to get things going. They were both in seven on sevens. And I think how they happened is significant. You know, I don't think that you're going to be targeting Deontay Harris on a quick out in most games, uh, especially, you know, if someone's playing uh, bump, you know, bump and run coverage. You know, if they're playing off coverage, that's one thing. Uh, CD Deuce was right up on him. I think Deontay had a totally little false right, start. Right. But like, you know, it's just not a, I think the decision was wrong. You know, I think that was a situation where you look at the, the personnel and you don't make that throw in a game. If that's Michael Thomas, that's a different scenario. He can box him out. Deontay's not going to do that. CD took it to the house. I think the second play was Bradley Roby kind of jumping on a ball that was a little late over the middle of the field targeting Chris Olave. You know, and these are things that I don't really care so much about the throws. I care about the decisions. You know, I, you need those to be on point. And, but when you criticize that, everyone's like, well, why are you talking about Andy Dalton? Why are you doing this? And it's like, I need, I need people to understand this is not a quarterback battle, right? This is a Jameis needs to get better battle and and that's fine that's what it's supposed to be that's why you do practice and I think what DA said when I asked him about this is telling of like yeah he's not worried about who his starting quarterback is he knows who it is he just wants to see Jameis respond to things in the right way and what he said was essentially that and uh here it is uh, obviously those back-to-back interceptions to start the day it was rough hoping for Jameis what did you see from kind of down I thought he responded the next two plays you know, and, and, and I told him that out on the field. That's what you have to be able to do. This game's not a perfect game played by perfect people, and there's going to be mistakes that are made, and how do you respond to them? I thought he did a nice job of responding. Yeah, and I think that that's just a telling approach to how Dennis Allen is kind of diagnosing this, this camp. You know, it's not about every result being perfect. It's about understanding what happened, doing things the right way, and doing it the right way as often as possible. Now, behind him, Andy Dalton has played well. And I think there's been people are projecting this concern that maybe, oh, maybe Andy Dalton might outplay Jameis to the point that he starts at quarterback for the Saints. I need you to understand no one on the Saints, including Andy Dalton, sees that as a possibility. Exactly. Right? And that is a completely, a completely imagined scenario. Andy Dalton, if you ask him what his role is, it will be to help Jameis. <laughs> like he said that when he was signed. He said that throughout camp. He knows why he's here, and it is to back up Jameis Winston. So when we are critiquing what Jameis is doing, when we are saying, okay, this wasn't perfect, he needs to get better here and here, we're saying that because it's true. We are saying that because it's part of the progression of a quarterback at training camp. It's not about hating on Jameis. It's about just the process. And I think the process is working. 
Um, and uh, like Dennis said, you know, he had a couple bad moments there, but he bounced back. He hit Adam Troutman on a throw. He hit Chris Olave on a throw. He hit Chris Olave on a bomb. That deep ball is still pretty. And I think when we start to see more of that, when we start to see him utilizing more of the field, when we when we see Michael Thomas in team drills, I think things will get a lot easier for Jameis, and he'll and he'll look a little sharper. But I think right now you're seeing him kind of focus on the intermediate throws, the quick throws, and it's not necessarily translating the way you'd want so far. But again, and I can't stress this enough, that's okay. I think a problem, well, not a problem, but one thing that has stood out with Andy Dalton too is just his ability to, I guess, acclimate to New Orleans system uh, so so quickly and easily. He definitely looks like a guy that's been here two, three years but we know he's just arrived kind of thing. But like exactly like you were saying, he knows his role. He, he came in saying, I'm here to back up Jameis Winston. There's no been ta- there's no talk of him. Oh, I'm competing for those those starting snaps kind of thing. Right. And but yeah, his his comfort and ease in the offense is definitely a huge positive right now. And, you know, makes you think, you know, if in case of emergency, you know, break in case of emergency kind of thing. If the worst were to happen where Jameis Winston got hurt, suffered a setback kind of deal, you you know you're at least in good hands. And I think much more capable than you were with Trevor Simeon, even no slight on him, but Andy Dalton's more accomplished and can push the ball more. Right. And a- Andy Dalton has played very well. And that's a good thing. <laughs> There's this kind of this weird element where people are construing complimenting Andy Dalton as a negative on Jameis. It's not. You want your backup to be playing well because there are, if he has to go in the game, you want to trust that he can go win that game. Um, and I, I, I've been impressed with Andy. I, if you had asked me coming in, I would have said Andy's probably washed. You know, I don't think that he has it in the arm anymore to, to get it done. And I, I think I was wrong in that take. I think he still has it in the arm. And I don't want to see him as the starter, but I think that if he had to do it, he would be capable. And that's it. Move on. Right, exactly. Um, but there's, there is this kind of cult around Jameis Winston where any type of criticism you give him, and even if it's merited, gets treated like, wow, you're hating on Jameis. Like, no, I like Jameis. But, you know, when, when he does things where it's critiquable, you know, it's fair to say, hey, this is a thing. We're watching this. And I, I'm not going to say I'm glad that his practice started the way it did yesterday. But I just, you know, I'm glad the fans were out there. And, you know, I think that you can kind of start to understand, okay, this is what we're looking at. This is where he needs to improve. And now it's on him to do it. And like Dennis Allen said, and we all saw, it wasn't how he started at least. It's how you wrapped up practice and how he responded to the adversity. And that's what you want to see of your quarterback, obviously, too. I agree. I agree. And we're going to go to break. We're going to come back. we got a lot more sound to throw your way. We're going to hear from Mark Inger. We're going to hear from Jarvis Landry. Uh, who uh, he had he had some funny things to say about uh, CD Deuce. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. more inside black and gold WWL sideline reporter Saints sideline reporter Steve Geller along with digital content producer Jeff Nowak. I remember subscribe to our show inside black and gold wherever you listen to podcasts. Jeff an interesting uh, note from what was that Saturday session was hearing from Jarvis Landry talking about uh, CD Deuce Chauncey Gardner Johnson 
and getting to battle him every day at camp. You know, the Cajun Cannon, our Bobby Bear, asked Jarvis Landry about what's it like to face a guy like C.D. Deuce. Let's set this up. But he, yeah, he, he asked him that. And he also asked him, like, you know, what kind of reputation does C.D. have around the league, you know, that you were kind of aware of before you uh, got to the Saints? And uh, it was kind of a funny moment. The receivers around the NFL, what do they think of C.D. Deuce? Like before you were a teammate of his now. Yeah, he he was one of the players before my before I got here. My mom was like, "Watch out for 22." <laughs> uh, um, but uh, you know, he he uh, being here and 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 being around Chauncey um, and, and seeing the the passion that he has for the game and you know how much he loves life, you know, and um, the way that he plays the game, you know, he's one of the most competitive people that I've been around. Um, and uh, that's something that is is contagious. That's something that you can see other guys feed off of. Um, and that's what you want on your team. And uh, and I'm happy I'm, uh, I got a chance to I get a chance to play against him, compete against him in practice. I'm I'm getting better already. I, I thought that was funny, you know. And and it's yeah. So people know about him. People warn you about him. Uh, it, it reminds me of when the when the Saints played the Bears in the playoffs in 2020 after the Javon Wims game. Um, can't remember who the coach was for the Bears at that point. It was Matt Nagy. There you go. It was Matt Nagy. And he kind of talked about how, like, they had actually talked to the wide receivers. Like, they had, like, came up with a plan for, okay, is going to try to get in your head. How are we going to stop this from happening? And who was it? The uh, Was it Mooney? No, it was... Um, Wims? Not Javon Wims the second time. Oh, this is going to bug me if I don't remember it. Cut. <laughs> Cut that, cut that, cut Anthony Miller. It was Anthony Miller the second time it was ejected. And it's like they actively talked about this. This was something that they went took out of their the game way. Plan for, right? They took time in practice <laughs> and discussed how to not get 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 kind of taken for a ride by CJ and CJ's kind of antics and CJ's kind of get in your head uh, mentality. Still got to still had a player get ejected for throwing a punch. Um, and Javon Wims dropped what should have been a, you know, easy cupcake touchdown pass. And I still give like CJ wasn't uh, playing defense on that play, but he was playing defense from inside Javon Wims head. I think it's still rolling around in that brain. Exactly. And that's, um, that's the beautiful thing about Gardner Johnson. Yeah. And you ask all the players too exactly what, what is he saying to these guys on the field? And I wish I could hear more of it, but you don't really get to hear that close up. Uh, of the join going on of what exactly he's saying, but it really just somehow he is able to get under the skin of everybody. And I know we talked about this before. It's like, he wants to be no more as the best slot corner in the NFL, not, not the best trash talker in the league, but boy, yeah. he, he has got some game when it comes to, to dishing on people. Well, yeah. And then he has such a reputation that Jarvis's mom is aware of it. And <laughs> Jarvis's mom is warning him about it. But, you know, that was kind of the funny part of his comment. But I think the rest of his, his comment was interesting, too, which is he said that he's already be a better player for going against CJ and for working with CJ and kind of seeing how hard CJ works. And, you know, if you remember the hard knocks uh, from a few years when it was with the with, uh, on Cleveland, and Jarvis had that, you know, long kind of spiel in the locker room about how everyone needs to practice and everyone needs to work hard and practice. And like, so he's not a guy who's going to pull punches when it comes to effort level. And, you know, to hear that from him, to hear him kind of go on about how a guy's working hard and, you know, how a guy's like insanely dedicated and is working that hard, you know, that's telling, you know, that's not, you know, people just say stuff sometimes, you know, that means something when it comes from Jarvis Landry. And we've seen CJ in practice. He's not pulling any punches either. He's taking it to the house, you know, and, and he's a fan favorite for a reason. And that was the loudest cheer of the day when he picked off uh, Jameis on that opening play. And I think kind of, you could say he kind of baited Deontay a little bit uh, and, sure. and took it to the house. I think one of the things that is an advantage for the Saints outside of having a really talented secondary is the receiver's have to work on a daily basis against this really talented secondary and these like really physical corners who are going to make you earn everything. And I think one thing that people tend to ignore about the NFL is these players are still getting better. Progression and development is very much a thing. You are not a finished product in year one, two, three, four. 
five, six, seven, in Jarvis case, even the eight, nine, 10, right? Like he's saying he's still getting better. And that's, that's part of the game that you have to consider, you know, like when, when people come at Cesar Ruiz for just not being, you know, what everyone hoped he might be in year two, you know? Yeah. Okay. I get it. But also, you know, the saints are still committed to a guy like that because they know they can develop him. You know, I think Jari Evans coming in and working with him is going to help. But I think that's something that when you hear Jarvis Landry say it should resonate um, and good on CJ. He's, he's got a fan in, uh, in Jarvis and hopefully, hopefully Jarvis's mom. And what we're seeing already from Gardner Johnson of hearing him talk in the, during mini camp and just seeing what already he's doing for this training camp, you can tell he's pretty fired up heading into this contract year as you'd expect him to be. Yeah. If there was anybody who was going to, who's going to want to show out uh, for a contract year, it's going to be <laughs> CJ. I don't even want to know what he might be saying to people. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's going to have a big year and he's a, Massively important player. You know, we talk about that five-game losing streak um, that the Saints had last year, and it was a part of the season where the defense seemed to struggle in ways that they did not struggle for the majority of the season. And if you remember, CJ went out uh, in the first half of that Falcons game, the first game of the losing streak. He came back against the Jets. <laughs> so, you know, that 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 absence coincided with a five-game losing streak, and I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, and I don't think it's – I also don't think it's a coincidence that the defense really, really clamped down in the last few games of the season. Shut out Tom Brady. You know, they've also played the Jets and the Falcons and the Panthers at a time in the year where all three of those teams were full-blown tank mode. So – you know, that is a caveat, but you still shut out the Bucks. You know, you still held the Jets and the Panthers, I think, to single digits. And I I think he deserves he deserves some credit there. Uh because you know it's not I don't I can't I, I'm gonna say this again. I don't think it was a coincidence that he goes out for five games and the defense kind of struggles and goes and the team goes on a five game losing streak. You know, it's easier to it's easy to look at the offensive side of the ball, but he's a massive part of that. Yeah, especially last year too. The how many, you know, dings this team took uh, all over the board when you look at the positions, and then to lose not only a key position, positional player on the field, but also his his attitude, his swagger, that the that part of the juice boys mentality. There, uh, he he definitely is a huge piece to everything that defense does. Yeah, and speaking of guy who was dealing with injuries last year, we talked to Adam Troutman this week. I know you wanted to get into a bit of that. Here's a here's a clip from Troutman kind of talking about how, you know, one of the things that really stands out for him this year is he's not dealing with anything. There's nothing lingering that's slowing him down at camp, which was that was the case last year. He was dealing with a cyst prioritanic training camp that he had to get removed, and he really only had a week to get into shape. He said he was only putting up, I think, was it 60 or maybe 80 pound? dumbbells which yeah, sounds like a lot to me but for him uh he kind of smirked and said yeah that's not what he's normally putting up uh and and that's not the case this year and i think we we've definitely seen him kind of assert himself and uh, here's what here's what adam had to say just coming to camp i feel like i'm in shape obviously last year i had probably a week and a half to get ready for camp after missing about two months with the surgeries i dealt with so yeah i feel much much better last camp i was probably 10 pounds less than what i usually am and all that type of stuff I mean, I think before I came out last year, I was benching like 80 pounds dumbbells. So that's not that's not normal for me. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I feel I feel really good. Yeah. And I think you I think you've seen that just kind of comfort level and health and just being able to to build that rapport with Jameis and, and Andy. And I think that, yeah, it's year three for Adam. Uh, he has a lot of motivation to kind of show that he deserves that kind of TU one spot. And I think he's going to benefit from having a healthy Nick Vanette kind of taking out a lot of those blocking assignments. And uh, yeah, I think that's what you've seen. Yeah. To me that he's one of the guys definitely for me for this first week that has the, the arrow going up next to him, which is a great sign. Uh, dealt with a bunch of injuries last year, uh, hampering his development. And I think that, yeah, we're seeing now a healthy Troutman, a guy that's in shape, uh, not not dealing with any lingering ailments in a camp that uh, he hasn't really been a part of an off-season program because of the COVID experience either. So that's been huge too. 
uh, j- just a lot of good positive surrounding Troutman. And I think that's definitely a guy I have got out on an eye on for this season, having that quote unquote breakout year. Uh, hopefully we can see an improvement all around because I thought even his blocking suffered last year when he was hurt as well, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I think when you're, when you're kind of, kind of working through stuff, everything kind of gets a little more difficult. Um, oh, believe me, I know. Well, every, when you're in pain, there's nothing that, you know, you, you, everything just weighs heavier on you. Yeah. So what, when you say a breakout, you know, what would you consider for Adam Troutman, like at the end of the year, kind of season end numbers, what would you consider to be a quote unquote breakout season for, for Adam? I'm, I'm hoping for somewhere around like a 700 yard kind of season from Troutman. I think that, you know, his involvement more in the passing game is going to be needed. And even with a guy like Taysom Hill uh, in this mix, I just feel like he he is the TE1 that's going to be seeing more of the snaps on the field in all situations. And just all, uh, probably around six, seven touchdowns uh, I would want from him too. So I'm, I'm, very, I'm pretty, pretty high on Troutman heading into this season. And I don't know if maybe those are overinflated numbers or too high expectations for him. But I just definitely think that's something that he's capable of. Uh, big target, fluid movements on the field that you just see uh, has to have that concentration more when it came to some of those drops last season. I know we're disappointing, but uh, once again, pointing to the the health I'll, I'll go to, but this season, I think he puts that all together and is able to translate that into a big year. To me, a breakout season for Troutman, yeah, would be in that range. You know, I think what you want to see is him be him show the production level that, as we mentioned previously, I think uh, in an earlier episode of this podcast, you you saw in the Atlanta, Tennessee, Philadelphia games, right? He had about 14 catches, 147 yards over those three games. Doesn't sound like a ton, but you know, if you kind of take that down and extrapolate it over 17 games, that pace would be about 65, 70 catches, about 800 yards. You know, one touchdown every three games that would put you at about five or six touchdowns. And, you know, that to me is what you really would hope for out of Troutman. And that would be a big, a big season for him. Tight ends get hurt. It's probably unlikely he plays a full 17 games. So you're, you'd be looking at, you know, some, somewhere in the range of 50 to 60 catches, 600 to 750 yards, and to be a weapon in the red zone. Um, and get those five or six touchdowns. And if and if he did that, I think he would end up being a top eight tight end in the NFL. Um, but I, I, it's really going to be a question to me of how much how much of the ball you can spread around because there's going to be a lot of mouths to feed. Hopefully, hopefully <laughs> right. everyone's healthy and you can and you have that dilemma of oh man, I wish we could get Adam more involved. But you know, Mike's catching ten passes a game. Chris is catching five passes a game. Jarvis is catching five passes a game. We only throw it. 25 times Uh, you know there's only so many you know so many uh so many options but um and I didn't even mention Kamara you know so I think that just the consistency for him is going to be the biggest part yeah and we we heard him mention uh that too as well he's trying to find that consistency in year three Uh, I I definitely see that that more of that confidence from him this year I'm sure being healthy does that for you but when you consider too where this guy came from a small school like Dayton his development in the NFL, at least I expected to take a little longer. And I think maybe uh, there were too high expectations heading into year two and coupled with those, with the injuries just led for a lot of disappointment with people. Yeah. And this kind of goes back to what I was saying about development. Like there's a tendency to just not to see what a guy does in year one, year two, and then be like, okay, that's them as a player. They can't get better. How could they get better? Right. Well, why are we at camp if these guys can't improve? You know, what, why, why are we doing all these drills? There's a reason for them, you know? And, and I think that especially year three and four is, is super important for, okay, those first two years, you're learning how to be a pro. You're learning how to play in the NFL. Um, you're trying to get opportunities. Now you have the opportunities. You've had that time to kind of rep, to kind of train, to understand what it takes at the NFL level. And now you have to put it in action. We would have loved to see that happen last year. It, it didn't um, more often than not. And so this is the year where you want to see it happen more often than it doesn't. That yeah, was really like confusing, but I think you understand what I'm saying. You know, you need to flip that where you you have more down games than you have up games. Now you want to have more up games than you have down games. And that's 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 what development is. You know, that's what being a more consistent player is. 
one guy, and I, I, I'm, I'm killing it with segues today, one guy who we never have to worry about his consistency because he's always there. He is the new infinity stone of the NFL, the time stone of the NFL, if you will, Mark Ingram. We've talked about this. You know, I'm, I am skeptical about just how much he can provide in his year 32 season. I'll probably be wrong because this is a guy who just never seems to lose a step. Uh, and that's kind of been your, can been your takeaway on it. Um, but, you know, we talked to him about being the second oldest running back in the NFL. And uh, Pete, <laughs> Pete, Steve, can you name the oldest running back in the NFL? Oh, I remember uh, we talked about this. And I know he's basically more of a special team guy on the Indianapolis Colts, but the name escapes me at the moment. So basically, though, Mark is the oldest, you would say, quote unquote, starting running back because this guy in, in Indianapolis is really just a special team. Well, it was Adrian Peterson. It was Taiwan Jones. No, or maybe he's yeah. on the Patriots. Is he still active? Taiwan Jones is 33. So this was last year. <clears throat> It's either it's either Taiwan Jones or Ken John Barner. I don't know if either of those guys are still in the league. Let's see, I'll, I'll I'll trim this down. Yes, Taiwan Jones. He is 34 years old. He is a running back and return specialist for the Buffalo Bills. He would be the oldest. Mark Ingram is the second oldest. Um, but as a, as we heard from Mark, he is kind of tired about everyone talking about how old he is. Mark, do you feel like uh, the second oldest running back in the NFL? You feel more like you're ready to roll. You just got. Yeah, what's up with y'all, bro? Like, <laughs> nah, bro. I feel good, man. Um, obviously, just a lot of uh, experiences, a lot of opportunities, a lot of years, successes, failures, um, all those things. You know what I mean? So, I don't feel like the second oldest running back in the league. I do kind of find it funny that I I am the person. <laughs> who's questioning uh, Mark because we're the same age. And I think Mark is probably a young 32 and I would consider myself to be an old 32. That's, that's what he said before. He's like, I haven't been used a lot in my career. So I'm a young 32, but I feel like they all say that too. Yeah. I have a lot. I have a lot of tread on my tires. And maybe, you know, I think probably what it is is I'm like, man, if I was a running back in the NFL at age 32, Heck, if I do when I do anything at age thirty-two, I feel old. I'm like, man, I used to be able to do this a lot easier than I did now. So yeah, I, I'm I might be projecting. That's what I'm trying to say is I might be projecting that my age thirty-two NFL season would not be nearly as uh, confidence-inspiring. Hopefully, but, Mark Mark Ingram's more like a Frank Gore thirty-two. Yeah, well, that's he is the new Frank Gore of the NFL. That was you know something about Frank Gore. He just was able to play forever and not only play play at a high level. Like we mentioned, Taiwan Jones. You know, he's the oldest running back in the NFL, but, you know, how many how many carries in his career? Let's see. Let's see the touches for Taiwan Jones in his career. 44 career rushing attempts. Wow. Yeah. 18 catches. So 44 rushing attempts, 183 yards. Lightly eight, used. 18 catches, 251 yards. He has one career receiving touchdown. That's it, right? So, like, yeah, you can play a lot longer in the NFL when you were averaging, you know, one rushing attempt per season. Um, but yes, Mark Ingram, on the other hand, let's see where, where he is, which, cause it is really incredible. He's the career rushing leader for the saints. Obviously we all know that he has 1,755 rushing attempts for 78, 7,878 yards. Good old 78, 78, uh, 64 career rushing touchdowns, another 287 receptions for 2,057 yards and 10 receiving touchdowns. Right. So that's where, you know, he can say he hasn't been used a lot. I'm going to challenge that. He wasn't used a ton early in his career. He was splitting time. And he even said that that kind of annoyed him and he had to kind of get it grow out of that. Right. Um, but he's, he's got some tread left on those tires, but there's a lot of tread that's been used up. That said, I do like Mark Ingram. I think he's looked sharp and strong and fast at camp. And so, you know, if he is able to be that kind of legit backup running back, the same way that Frank Gore was later in his career, um, you know, maybe, maybe that de the depth concerns that I have at running back is unfounded, but I'm not ready to go there yet. Maybe if we see him in the preseason and he looks sharp, uh, against real guys with pads on, uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll change my tune.
So, yeah, I'm, I'm still one that worst case scenario, obviously, with Mark Ingram, uh, with uh, Alvin Kamara, we're forced to miss him for the first four, five, six games of the season. I'm still a believer that Ingram at 32 years old can be that guy that fills in for that bulk of time while while he's out just because um, how good he is in the running game. Physical, He's a good physical runner. He helped you with blocking and he's, and he's a good receiver out the backfield. I think he's, He's an every down back and sure the, the age issue will be a little bit of a concern with you, but he he's looking more energized this season. I know he, he dealt with some foot issues last year. What's kind of concerning me is so, so six games is a long time. And that's kind of where I'm going with it is <laughs> if you end up having to rely on Mark Ingram as your top running back for six games, does he have the juice in the tank to, to, to lead the backfield? I think that he, he can be a, a, a really good you know, change of pace back still. But, you know, so you look at the games where Alvin missed last year in Tennessee, 14 carries, 47 yards. He did have a touchdown. That was probably his best game, uh, four catches, 61 yards. Then Philadelphia, 16 carries for 88 yards. He missed Thanksgiving game against Buffalo, right? So that was two games. He played pretty well, but then he got dinged up, you know, and that's that's what you're concerned with. It's it's Is that load too much for a 32-year-old running back? Because behind him, you're going into that game with Tony Jones Jr. or Malcolm Brown or whoever, and that starts to get bleak real fast. Um, you know, when he came back against Dallas, ten carries for twenty-eight yards, uh, he and then he didn't play against the Jets. I do want to? I do want to make sure. I know he missed a game for COVID. I don't want to make it sound like he he was hurt in the game. If he um, who was that Tony? No, 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 Mark. So yeah, the game against the Jets, he was not hurt for. He was on the COVID list. So. And, and Alvin was back for that game and they obviously won and Alvin had a great game. So that I don't want to, I don't want to put that on him for that. He'd missed the Buffalo game for health. He had a knee injury. Jets was COVID, but yeah. And, and uh, what were you saying about Dwayne Washington? I just think he's a guy that kind of can fill in in a pinch as well during that stretch along with a, like a Mark Ingram. I just, I, I think he's a tough runner. He always is physical inside and I know his, his role has mostly been, special teams, but I feel like when he has come in for this team when needed for to run the ball, he's done a decent job. I, I know he had a 100-yard rushing game one year against the Carolina Panthers, I think. Did he? I'm going to have to look it up now, too. <laughs> I know, are you, I'm thinking you might be thinking of Ty Montgomery. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, he did. He had 11 carries, 108 yards. It was the 2018 regular season. Okay. It was, uh, you know, late December, so it was week 17. Yeah, that was that game that I think Teddy Bridgewater started. Yeah, it wasn't – you hate to call it a meaningless game kind of thing, but it wasn't – It wasn't a meaningless game. <laughs> uh, there yeah, is I no mean, meaningless football. Yes, there is. When you don't start your starting quarterback, it's a meaningless game. If Drew Brees didn't play in it, it's a meaningless game. Uh, but it, it's not meaningless for Dwayne. Right. It's not meaningless for Teddy in that circumstance, but – for all intents and purposes, it was not a game that in, mattered in the standings, and that's why you didn't play Drew Brees. You didn't play Alvin Kamara. Uh, I don't know if Mike Thomas played, but and they lost that game. They lost 33-14 to 14 to a very sad Panthers team. But, yeah, just just looking real quick, I know it's it's been a limited sample side, but sample size for Dwayne Washington, but he's averaged 5.2 yards a carry in a Saints uniform, uh, in a Saints uniform which is uh, a nice number, obviously. I'm just, I'm just saying if you end up having to trust Dwayne Washington in the run game, then you're in trouble. And that's where my depth concerns are. You know, you see a lot of teams where these they have they're bringing in young backs that, you know, you feel like like you look at the Cowboys with Zeke and then Tony Pollard, you know, you know, the Bills, they had Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. You know, I don't see that the Saints building their depth that way. And that's where I get concerned with the depth concerns. They haven't drafted a running back since Camaro. Um, and then I think that's a really weird way to approach the draft. Maybe Abram Smith can be that guy. I'm, I have high hopes for Abram Smith. But this segment got real long. Let's cut. We're going to go to the next the next round of questioning, which is going to be, who's the most underrated player on the Saints? I have a good answer. Uh, I think it's better than Steve's answer. But we'll, we'll get into it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right, back here on Inside Black and Gold. Remember to give us that five-star rating. Give us a review. Tell me how dumb I am and how all of my takes are wrong and yours are better. I love to hear it. Uh, they're not, but I still love to hear it. Anyway, in this segment, we're going to get into a, a very, very subjective topic that every answer is going to be right and wrong at the same time. Um, and that my question is, and I told Steve about this last night so he could put some thought into it, uh, because basically I had my answer already and I wanted to talk about it, so I figured I'd give him a heads up. But my most underrated player, I, I kind of approach it with the methodology of like, it's not necessarily, okay, this player, this player does a lot and maybe doesn't get enough credit for it. Mine is, so who's not getting talked about really at all? in the, in the kind of general populace of saints fans, you know, now I'm not talking about the media. I'm not talking about, you know, people who follow the team religiously. I'm talking about kind of, if you just had a Saints segment on any program who would never get talked about, but does do, does things that are vitally important to this team winning games. And, you know, guys I went through, you know, maybe an Eric McCoy, he, I think he's one of the top centers in the NFL, does not get nearly the credit that he deserves. But I also think, like, to some extent, everyone knows the center is important. You know, he's touching the ball every play. So it's hard to say he's the most underrated because he's just not talked about because he's not messing up. And that's kind of the offensive line, right? You could say it's, uh, you know, a Paulson Adebo, who I would argue is a, is a really, really high-quality cornerback. In terms of CB2s around the league, he's probably in the top half. Um, going into year two, you know, maybe a Bradley Roby, maybe a CJ. But again, these are guys who are on the tip of the tongue. Like if you ask, okay, who's who's a great cornerback on the Saints right now that's not named Marshawn Lattimore, or everyone would say Paulson Debo or maybe Bradley Roby, or they would, you know, they would forget CJ's a safety and they would say CJ. The guy I think is the most underrated. I'm gonna let him talk and then we're gonna say his name. We'll see if even like while he's talking, you can identify who this is. And <laughs> because this is an important player for the Saints heading into this season yeah uh take a step you know each year you want to develop and grow as a football player so that for me that's from the linebackers perspective perspective and from special teams perspective um you know just working on my fundamentals in a linebacker game growing with hodges and learning from tomorrow to become a better linebacker while also still developing in special teams you know whether it's a few more tackles i could have made or whatever the difference is and continue to grow as a team as well so there it is that's uh Let's see, you know, I'll give you a second. So you, you listeners at home can can try to figure out who you just heard from. I'd say uh, play the, the Jeopardy music, but we'd probably get sued for that. I think if I do it like myself, I won't get in trouble. Anyway, um, that was Andrew Dow, second-year linebacker out of Michigan State. And I think he is the most underrated player on this Saints team because no one – no one outside of like this inner circle of Saints fans or people following the team have any idea who he is. But he's a guy who just shows up day in, day out, makes his presence known, makes big plays in training camp. He made himself uncuttable last year. He is vital on that special teams group. And I did a roster projection before training camp. Mm-hmm. And there are only so many players. There, there are star players. There are players you know are going to make the roster. And then there's a lot who you're kind of like on the fence about, you know, like the last couple wide receivers, the last couple, uh, you know, tight ends, some linemen. But like Andrew Dowell, I see safe on that roster. He's right in that in that cusp with like JT Gray and uh, Dwayne Washington in terms of like can't cut special teams guys. And I also see him as a player who is going to make an impact on the defensive side of the ball. He's not going to start but he's going to get meaningful reps. And, you know, Bobby likes to compare him to Craig Robertson. And I think that it's, that it's fair um, because as I, you know, when I talked to Dennis earlier in the offseason, I asked him, you know, what is it that really makes a player stand out on special teams? Like, what do you look for? What are the intangibles that you look for? And the first thing he said is just, you need to be willing to do it. Like you have to want to play special teams. And, uh, and I think that's, that's, that's definitely true. But I also see, see Andrew as a guy who is continuing to step forward. He's been working at the will linebacker position alongside DeMarco Jackson at the mic. And I'm always impressed with him. Uh, I'll tell you one story. That's kind of funny. Uh, I remember last year vividly when, when Andrew came out to talk to us for the first time, 
I had no idea who he was. And we were outside at the podium and there was a wasp buzzing around the, uh, the media area. And everyone was like, Oh no, you know, I'm afraid of bees. I'll just say, I don't like bees. I appreciate they do a lot. You know, they pollinate stuff. They're important. I don't like them. (laughs) Are you allergic Uh, at all? A little bit, you know, not like, I don't need like an EpiPen or anything, but I do swell up pretty, pretty heavily. Uh, but not, not the wasps. Wasps just bite you and they're just jerks. No, they're nasty. And, um, and I was like, you know, I run away. If I see a bee, I run away. And I just, Andrew just, everyone's like, oh, watch out. There's a bee. And he just turns around and he just like reaches up and just like volleyball spikes it to the ground. And then he just turns back to the mic. He's like, all right, any questions? <laughs> and it's like, you know what? I like this guy. So uh, anyway, that's Andrew Dowell in a nutshell. He is a puncher of bees. Um, and, and that's what I want on special teams. What do you, you think? Know you gotta, do you think uh, I'm right? What, what is your take? Do you agree with that? I went for a guy that's been on the roster a little longer and that we've seen. I've, I really see like we, we feel like we've seen his evolution, obviously, as a player. I picked P.J. Williams because of just his versatility to what he brings to this secondary. Also a guy that contributes on special teams, but more so his versatility in that secondary can play every position that they ask him to. Uh, when they had to have that need that where they had to convert him to safety to help fill in, he did amazing and is now basically transitioned to that role uh, full-time. And we're even seeing during this training camp with no Taran Matthew around right now, uh, Marcus May is being brought back a little slow, obviously coming back from injury. But P.J. Williams has been a guy that's constantly been in my notes every day and just out there doing his thing and – just don't think he gets enough uh, credit just be- because of he seems to come back on a one-year deal every season and be- just because of his early struggles, I guess, that he had on this defense, a lot of fans don't give him enough credit. Yeah, another Florida State guy. I think he and Jameis were actually teammates at Florida State. And, yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good answer. And I think it kind of points to one of the issues in my methodology and how I kind of approach this answer is the answer is always going to be someone on special teams <laughs> because yeah. those are the players that don't get talked about. Um, and, but I, I think PJ, you either, know, yeah, either that or the offensive line, those guys usually don't get enough love either. Yeah. But you know, their names, right. They, they're right, still like, right. it, you know, when they don't do well, it's like, you know, exactly who they are. Right. And so that just kind of inherently, you know, they're important. So you don't take them for granted. You know, a guy, I think in past years, a guy who probably could have been an answer would be James Hurst, because I thought he had a really important role that he kind of took for granted. Maybe this year, that's a Landon Young, who's kind of backing up Ryan Ramchek, and I think gives you really good depth over at the right tackle spot with Trevor Penning kind of working with Hurst on the left tackle side. Um, But yeah, I think your answer is more, you know, who gets taken for granted, but is important. And mine is like, who gets ignored completely? And I think those are, that's why I didn't tell you what my answer was. Cause I wanted to see where you went with it. And I think that's a good approach. I think when you're kind of talking about that, uh, those are both, I think really good answers, but especially, you know, and, and they're both guys who early on in camp are getting an opportunity to showcase what they can do. Um, you know, maybe a lineup from where they would be because of absences, you know, Pete Werner has been out. So Andrew Dowell's been getting a chance to kind of work in a bit more than he might otherwise, uh, Tyron Matthews been out. So PJ has been getting a chance to work in at free safety. That's the same could be said for JT gray. Um, and, and, you know, as we go throughout camp, we're not going to, we might see a little less of them and they're going to be more invested in, in special teams and on other, on other parts of the ball. But I think both those guys have stood out. And so I think that, I think we nailed these answers, Steve. We'll, we'll get to see two more. That's the, the good quote unquote, good thing about preseason is you'll get to see more of these guys in live game action kind of situations where maybe you won't see that obviously during the regular season with the amount of snaps they get. But yeah, I, I think both have definitely taken advantage of the extra extra snaps they have been getting this camp so far. And like I said, uh, I think PJ Williams got a bad rap early on from a lot of Saints fans who still, they have uh, this negative light or aura about them. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he, he is, he is a guy who keeps coming back on these one-year deals every year. It's a one-year deal. Poor guy can't get a long-term deal to save his life, but Had a career high, three picks last season, which was great. No, he's been, he's been important, you know, and the saints love multiplicity is the way yes, that's the word that Allen uses. They love guys who can play multiple positions, right? 
They love a guy. They love drafting a center and putting him at guard because they know if they need him to play center, he can play center. You know, they love drafting a cornerback and making him play safety because they know if they need him on the outside, they can put him on the outside. And, and that's PJ, PJ in a nutshell. You know, he can, he can cover, he can play deep, he can play strong, and, and that's what you want. That's why you brought in Marcus May and Tyron Matthew because you want to be able to flip them, uh, and hopefully we can, get, we can see that uh, pretty exactly. soon. Um, but we got, a, we got a few more minutes left, and one of the things I wanted to get into um, before, we, before we go here is the fans were fantastic. Full uh, force, they won. <laughs> fantastic fans. That's what, is that what fan is short for? Fantastic. No, that's definitely, definitely not it. It's fanatic. Yeah. But I still think it's funny. Um, uh, they were out there. I'm always amazed with how many fans turn out and he's like on 98 degree days in the middle of the summer just to watch practice, but they do. And, you know, and that's why the, and the players love it. I mean, you should not take for granted these guys standing on the sun for two hours and then coming over and then, you know, signing autographs as they're just dripping sweat. You know, they appreciate it. You know, and Andrew Dowell talked about it. Landon Young talked about it. They really do like seeing the fans out there. And I thought you saw a much, especially early on, especially the first couple segments, you saw a lot of juice from the players that, you know, as you kind of get through camp, I think there's a grind element to it, but they looked fresh out there. And I think the fans are a big part of that. Well, that, yeah, that first play, well, first two plays, obviously, but yeah, play number one, the pick six from Chauncey Gardner-Johnson certainly set the tone for that, uh, the fan presence there. They were hooping and hollering and, you're right. It is it is amazing to see the folks coming out and braving the elements. The Saints have done a fantastic job though over the years. They the fans got it easy now. They got the the covering over the 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 rafters. They've got fist uh misting fans going on. And even us, I know you gave a shout out to uh the sponsor for the for the media misting tent, the cool town tent. That has been a blessing and a definite uh surefire welcome. I was great just stepping inside there and being able to uh, literally cool down, collect your thoughts a little bit, and then getting back in those elements. And I know we're, we don't work outside like a lot of gardeners or working in construction. And yeah, we're not we're not on a roof in the middle of the summer, right? Yeah, and, and I know we're out there just watching football, but it's it it is brutal sometimes. Just even trying to take notes, and I know this is going to be another big eye roll when you know your your sweat is dripping down onto your paper no and that, even that into is your the brow problem they have trying. is by the time i'm done watching practice i can't write on my notebook anymore because it's waterlogged um no it, like seriously like it sounds stupid but it's it makes things difficult um and yeah it's corporate realty they are the ones who sponsored that tent and you know i don't know who all was a part of putting that together but they did an excellent job and it is a <laughs> godsend because i think like it's you know i try not to complain about the heat Exactly, but, man. It is brutal, especially yesterday. We actually had a few few easier days from the on the heat side of things. Yesterday it was really hot, and because the fans were there, we were you know in the in the days where the fans aren't there, we can kind of duck under the awnings for where they would normally be sitting, and I think that helps a little bit just to get out of the sun. But when they're there, we don't have any places we can go. And in the past, there have been times where I've been standing out there like, just don't fall over, you know. Uh, and so oh, being able to go over there, guys are soft. Cooling, cooling area was. <laughs> was was beautiful um so i they're not even a sponsor for us but corporate realty good on you really appreciate that and Definitely you know much love. we can kind of go into this a little bit before we go there have been a you know dennis said previously you know before camp that we won't be noticing any like tangible difference you know like you won't look at practice and see anything markedly different and i think that's true but one thing that's definitely changed is how the media is is viewing practice which you know, and I think partly because the cooling is on that side of the field, we now are able to go all the way up to where the linemen are working out. And so we get a much closer look, you know, in the years I've covered training camp, I've never gotten to see a close up of the linemen doing drills because we just haven't been able to get over that side of the field. And that's not the case anymore. We're able to get over there and, and see that. And I think that's been valuable. Yeah, I don't know. We're talking about Dennis Allen, talking about injuries. He's opening more field up for us. We might want to keep it down. They're going to end up taking it away. No, I think he's been very forthcoming. He's given us a lot of information that we would have had to just guess on before. And I think that's good. Um, the other, Another thing is all the interviews have been indoors, which I think has made the interviews a much more um, hospitable experience. They take a little longer. But I think you get a better interview experience when people aren't dying and sweating in the sun. So, you know, maybe that's been the case because I have thought that we've gotten a lot of really quality interviews to this point where 
in past years, there might've been like guys kind of getting hurried off the podium. They're sweating. Everyone's dying. Um, so I don't know, but I thought that yeah, was, they, in, it was an interesting decision. And, uh, uh, I thought that especially early in camp when a lot of the work is outside, um, I think that's been, that's been good. Yeah, that has been good. I think I agree with you. It's like almost like post game in a locker room, the players get that little bit of cooling off period. Um, maybe yeah, collect your thoughts and just, uh, have a have a bite out of watermelon or a smoothie or whatever they they've been given out that day and just a chance to decompress a little <laughs> bit and they seem like they're in just they a, like a better mood uh <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> and uh, so am i <laughs> yeah I, I, i'm in I'm a just, much better mood and i have a lot more well-developed questions when i am not just trying to because i'm a i'm a sweats a lot kind of guy and when i'm not constantly just trying to figure out how i can stop dripping uh i'm i'm better at my job i think so uh, kudos to the Saints on that, and uh, we're going to have a lot more of it uh, as we go forward. It's been a different season, and I don't know. Hopefully it, it keeps going this way, but it's definitely seemed a lot easier for us, and, I, and I'm, I'm afraid about saying that because I don't want it to backfire on me. No, it's been hard. We're working as hard as possible at all times and um, <laughs> keep making things easier. That's and, it. And That's my parting note. And definitely happy to be back face-to-face and not in Zoom world anymore. Oh, my gosh. Yes, the the Zooms were killing me. Um, But, yeah, that's it on Inside Black and Gold. Hopefully, we got you a lot of the answers. If you have any other questions, um, you can hit me and Steve up on Twitter. I'm at Jeff underscore Noack. He's Steve Geller, WWL. Uh, We got a couple nice messages on Twitter already from listeners, and it's really nice to have listeners. So, uh, you know, if you like what you hear, let me know about it. Give us a review. Hit the subscribe button, Apple, Spotify, the Odyssey app, all, all all those apps that you got in your phone. Uh, And we'll be back at you later this week with another episode. Peace.